This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday the 22nd of June. Coming up, we've got news on a massive sinkhole that's appeared, plus details on a weather warning that you definitely need to be aware of. But first today, a report has found leadership at the Ambulance Trust that covers Kent is inadequate. Inspectors carried out an unannounced visit to CCAM back in February and have raised concerns about inappropriate sexualised behaviour, bullying and harassment. While Carolyn Jenkinson is from the Care Quality Commission who carried out the report and has been speaking to the podcast. So we carried out an unannounced inspection of the Ambulance Trust back in February this year and that was because we'd received a number of concerns that related to the culture of the Trust and a failure of the Trust leaders to listen to what staff were saying. And when we did our inspection we found that we Um, met with lots and lots of committed frontline staff who were really determined to give the best possible care that they could under very challenging circumstances. And we, we did find that patients were receiving safe care, but what we also found was that senior leaders were out of touch with what was happening on the front line and they weren't always aware of the challenges in the service. We are concerned about what we found, which is why we've done, um, you know, said what we've said about the organisation. What staff told us about was that disconnect between the board and and the senior leaders within the organisation, then what staff were doing on the front line to deliver care. There was a there was a gap in understanding. Staff were worried about raising concerns. Um, What they've been experiencing was that if they raised concerns or wanted to talk about things that might have happened, they didn't always feel listened to. And because of that, it had made them worry about keep raising concerns. They were worried about what the impact might be on their career um, and what it might mean for them as individuals. And and they also started to feel, some of them, that it might be a waste of time to keep saying Um, the same things to keep raising concerns because often things had been left unaddressed and we did find that um, staff told us about bullying and harassment within the organisation and that there were some inappropriate sexualized behaviour being demonstrated And, and we also found that there were a high number of open grievances that hadn't been resolved. We were approached directly by some whistleblowers who told us about the inappropriate behaviour and that that had become normalised. And what they were concerned about was that senior leaders weren't listening and um, acting to address concerns. It's difficult for staff when they're trying to to raise concerns, but they don't feel listened to. So what um, we've been able to do is, you know, highlight those concerns and get things in place to make improvements so that staff do feel better supported but I w- what I would go on to say is that staff are working you know incredibly hard to deliver um, in really challenging circumstances where everybody knows that the ambulance service is under pressure you know it's it's well known um, and they're, they're doing the best they can to deliver a good level of service to people. 
what we were concerned about was that there was a disconnect between the leadership and what was happening at the front line. And we've we've recommended to NHS England and NHS Improvement that the service receives the highest level of support possible um, via their recovery support programme. And that should give the trust that extra support needed that um, they need to make the, the required improvements. We've been working with the organisation since the time of the inspection um, and you, you might be aware that there's been a new interim chief executive officer that's been appointed and we'll continue to work really closely with the trust and we'll work closely with the new chief executive to make sure that they are fully cited on what we found. Uh, we found as part of the inspection that they understand what's in our report and we'll keep in uh, regular contact with them to make sure that improvements are being made. Well, South East Coast Ambulance Service has released a statement. It says the serious concerns surrounding culture and leadership highlighted by the CQC are being taken extremely seriously and we've already begun the work to implement improvements at pace, taking on board early feedback from the CQC as well as feedback from our own staff survey. We are pleased the excellent care provided by our staff was recognised in the report and their kind, compassionate and supportive approach towards patients was noted. Well, you can also read this story and that statement in full today by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online News. Talks are continuing today to try and resolve the dispute that's led to this week's rail strikes. Thousands of workers across Kent and the rest of the country walked out yesterday in a row over pay conditions and job losses. More industrial action is planned for tomorrow and Saturday, while services in the county today have remained extremely disruptive. Well, Scott Brightwell is from South Eastern and he spoke to Tommaso Domidio from our colleagues at KMTV outside Dartford Railway Station last night. This disruption is is going to go on a week. There are further strike days on Thursday and on Saturday and again our message will be to not travel. Why have commuters across Kent been telling you today about, about these strikes? Uh, it's mixed messages. I think people uh, appreciate that we've tried to do a core service from Dartford where we are today and travelling around on the network you know we've seen kids in school uniform that are doing their GCSEs and A-levels so it's really good. But that doesn't take away that, you know, over 140 of our stations have no train service whatsoever. So the key thing is to try and get people to be able to avoid the disruption. If you can make alternative arrangements and travel in another way, please do. What can people do if they have, if they have bought tickets? They can visit our website. If you board a ticket, you'll get a full refund. Um, the, all of the details will be on our website. Or if you haven't got access to the internet, you can contact our customer relations centre. We'll be happy to help you through the process. And as disruption on the rail network in Kent continues, it's feared teachers could be the next to walk out. Unions say they might ballot members on action if the government doesn't agree to pay rises in line with inflation. The education secretaries hinted they might be offered an increase of 3%, but that's far short of what the unions are after. We already know barristers will start 14 days of strike action next week. The government's hoping to bring in new laws which will allow UK judges to overrule decisions made by the European Court of Human Rights. It's after they stopped a flight taking asylum seekers to Rwanda last week in a controversial policy designed to put people off crossing the channel to Kent. Or ministers want to make London's Supreme Court the key decision maker on rights. However, legal commentator Joshua Rosenberg says that simply won't work. Once uh, a decision is made by the European Court in, of Human Rights in Strasbourg, which has 
we keep reminding people is nothing to do with the EU. The UK government is bound by treaty to give effect to it, and that will remain the case. Another 49 asylum seekers crossed the Channel to Kent in small boats yesterday. The group of men, women and children were in the first boat to be intercepted since Saturday. It brings the total number of people to make the dangerous journey so far this year to nearly 11,700. A soldier's been found dead at an army barracks in Kent. 23-year-old gunner Sophie Madden was discovered at a military building in Folkestone earlier this month. She was part of the 3rd Regiment Royal Horse Artillery, who say she leaves a legacy of resilience and professionalism. Her death is not being treated as suspicious. Two teenagers have been arrested after a delivery driver was attacked in Canterbury. He was waiting in a car outside a takeaway on Sturry Road when he was assaulted on Monday night. An 18-year-old man and 17-year-old boy have been questioned by police. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man's been arrested after a family were racially abused and had stones thrown at them on a Kent beach. One of them was taken to hospital after being kicked and punched at Sandgate. A man and his dog were also attacked following a similar incident along the Lees in Folkestone. We've been told a 21-year-old is in custody. Now at Kent Online today, you can see pictures of the damage caused by a huge house fire in Tunbridge. The blaze broke out in the roof of a home on Old Hadlow Road yesterday afternoon. Crews spent more than seven hours at the scene. Thankfully, no one was hurt. And if you're also on the site today, you can see the wreckage after a car crashed into a house in Ramsgate, destroying the front of the building. Again, luckily, no one was injured when it happened on Boundary Road shortly after midnight. Now, a motorcyclist has crashed into a sinkhole that's opened up on a road near Dartford. Police and fire crews were called to Martins Avenue in Bexley Heath last night. No one was injured, but the roads had to be closed. And our reporter, Sean Delaney, has been to the scene. So I'm here in Martins Avenue, Bexley Heath, uh, close to the junction of Watlin Street, headed towards Crayford and Dartford. Uh, residents here have described the crash bang of a large sinkhole which opened up in the middle of the road around nine o'clock last night. The hole measures around seven metres by seven metres long and is four metres deep and extends across the whole width of the carriageway. There doesn't appear to be any damage to any of the homes, although some have, residents have reported to me this morning that they have lost access to their cars and other services. Uh, police remained at the scene overnight and this morning along with council engineers to ensure the safety of pedestrians and to monitor the situation. Uh, Bexley Council has issued a statement and say that they are investigating alongside Thames Water to establish the cause of the collapse. It says they will continue to involve to ensure the safety of the site and ensure that it's likely to take some time due to the soil, depth of the hole and the need for specialist equipment. Mark Joins lives on the road and heard it happen. About uh, nine o'clock had a massive crash bang, uh, looked out the window and there was a massive hole in the road so it was completely out of the blue. I've just driven over it a couple of hours ago so thankfully no one was hurt. It doesn't look like anything bad happened to anybody in the case of it but yeah given that there's a massive hole in the road it's, uh, it's a pretty big shot. Definitely looking and seeing what was going on, but yeah, essentially I think for most people, I think everyone was just curious as to know how it happened. Um, so yeah, this is something that's come out of the blue and none of us really know how it could have happened.
We've got incredible pictures from this one. You can head to kentonline.co.uk to see them. Kent Online reports. The former Debenham store on Chatham High Street has been bought for more than £2 million and could be turned into housing. Medway Council have purchased the building using money from the government's future high streets fund. Bosses say they want to bring it back into use as part of plans to regenerate the town centre and increase the number of people going there. Parents say they're worried about the cost of a uniform for children starting a new school in Canterbury. Some reckon the kit for Barton Manor, which is opening in September, will set them back more than £300 because several items are branded. Now, the executive head says the number of items with the school logo on have been kept to a minimum and the supplier has been chosen to provide best value. But we'd love to know what you think about this one today. How much branded uniform do you think is necessary or should the price of uniforms be capped? You can either leave a comment on the story or head to our socials. Now, significant concerns have been raised about a new road tunnel linking Kent with Essex. The Lower Thames crossing will go under the River Thames from the east of Gravesend to Tilbury. Thurrock Council in Essex, however, has written a letter to the government saying it won't achieve its stated aims. National Highways insist it will help ease congestion at Dartford. Staying with roads news and more children have been killed or seriously injured on roads in Kent and Medway than anywhere else in the southeast. Figures given to the podcast show there were more than 350 casualties in the county in 2020. That's nearly one a day. Where young people have teamed up with Charity Break and are taking to the streets around their schools to call for safer journeys. Britain's oldest brewer wants to put solar panels on the roof of one of its buildings in Kent and a bid to reduce emissions. Shepherd Neem reckoned the 750 panels on their bottling hall in Faversham would reduce monthly energy bills. Bosses say they'll only be visible from a distance and won't impact on the view of the building from the street. Kent Online reports. The first Amazon fresh store outside of London has opened today in Sevenoaks. This is how it works. There are no tills, but what you do is you use your Amazon app to get in. You can then shop for food and simply walk out when you're done. New research has revealed some of Britain's earliest humans lived on the outskirts of Canterbury. Stone tools and artefacts found during a dig near the city a century ago have now been dated using the very latest tech. Experts say they're up to 600,000 years old, making the settlement one of the earliest in northern Europe. A drag artist who's the face of the very first Tunbridge Pride hopes it'll continue to raise awareness of the LGBTQ plus community. Brandon Austin went viral on socials after doing a death drop dance move during his college graduation. Well, he turns 21 this week and is now better known as Sophia Stardust, but amidst growing up in Hadlow wasn't easy. He's been speaking to our reporter, Leisha Gallagher. I graduated from college. Uh, I was 18. And I went viral, literally doing a death drop at my graduation. We were all queuing up to know, get our certificates. And I thought, why not? I'm going to jump into a death drop. I did it. It got four million uh, views, which is a little bit crazy. Um, and yeah, even World of Wonder saw it, which um, are actually the producers of Drag Race. It's just crazy, isn't it? And I mean, talking about sort of growing up in Kent, obviously, you know, there's there's not a lot of, of drag around. There is getting to be more. Did you grow up in Kent? Whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Hadlow, which is literally five minutes away from Tunbridge. And obviously went to secondary school in that in Tunbridge. There was nothing like I thought I was so I thought I was this alien, this creature from another planet, because 
you're literally just not taught about being gay and everything. And like, there was no one like me. I know every drag queen says it, but there literally wasn't. Yeah, and I mean, I've spoken to a couple of queens before, like Crystal especially saying in, in Tunbridge Wells, there was just nothing for, for queer yeah. people. How was it sort of at school and things like that? You know, were they supportive of it or did you get any sort of, you know, the bullying and things like that? Secondary school was horrid. Secondary school was horrible. <laughs> um, it's because I didn't know who I was. And then on top of that, I had all the straight boys going, you're gay, you're gay, Brandon, you're gay. Because I was very camp and I was like, no, I'm not. So I wasn't, I wasn't physically bullied, which is nice I guess but mentally bullied which I think is actually worse but then when I went to college I literally came out as soon as I got to college because my tutor was gay and like everyone was just so much more accepting there which was just so lovely and do you think it is getting better and more accepting or is it very much that you kind of need to get to the city to fully experience that sort of culture of acceptance? Oh, no, I think it's getting so much better. Like people are starting to do drag younger and younger. And even walking around Tunbridge in drag the other day, like nobody cared. Like everyone loved it. I got pictures with people. So I think people are becoming a lot more accepting, which is finally lovely and how did you kind of get into drag and start you know booking gigs and things like that can you remember like the first performance you did and everything like that the first time you got into drag I had the weirdest thing it all happened so quick so I came out at 16 my best friend showed me RuPaul's Drag Race then I was like oh my god I love it I'm gonna do drag did it couldn't stop I did it in all our acting shows then when I turned 18, I did Glitter Bomb in Canterbury. I had this cheap full fringe wig, an ABBA outfit. I performed ABBA. And the reaction I got from it was so lovely. And I was like, this is it. Like, I am a drag queen. <laughs> and, you know, obviously now the very first Tunbridge Pride is happening in August, which is super exciting. What do you think that will mean for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community in your hometown, in Tunbridge? It's the very first one. It's taken a long time to get there. Now it's finally happening. What will that mean for them? Coming from me, actually, like growing up like that, I'm so grateful that like, I can just picture if I saw that when I was 15, I would literally feel so different. And the fact they're wanting me to be such a big part of it, I'm literally like, what is my life? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, you've kind of become like the cover model, haven't you, for them? And, you know, to be the face of Tunbridge Pride for younger people to look up to and older people as well. How does that feel for you? Right. To be honest, it's something I've always wanted because I have always I'm I'm so good with people like everyone I meet. I just I could talk to them for hours and actually having people message me being like, I'm so excited to see you at Tunbridge Pride. Like people asking me for drag advice. I'm like. This is literally so lovely. Like, I feel honoured. I feel like, I don't know, it's crazy. There's a family area as well. So children of all ages can go and learn about, you know, love and acceptance and just loving who you are. And, you know, with some places in America saying, you know, they're going to ban children from drag shows. Why do you think it's so important that places like Tunbridge Pride are putting on this event for the entire family and they're not excluding the children? I think when kids are introduced to it at an earlier age, like, like my little sister is seven years old and she, I've introduced her to drag, like she loves it now. And it's just, 
it opens children's minds so much because say the boys who tease me in secondary school, they tease me because they knew nothing about it. If kids grow up knowing about drag queens, about the whole community, then it's literally just going to be normal. And that is the direction, not we're going in, that's the direction we're in, which is so nice to see. And like, I think it's just going to get better and better as the years go on. Sophia now has around 58,000 followers on TikTok and will be at Tunbridge Pride on August the 6th. YouTube star KSI has been filming a new video at Diggerland in Medway. He visited the theme park in Rochester with his group, the Sidemen, to celebrate his birthday. Meantime, a new reality show featuring a Kent influencer is available from today. So Snowflake Mountain on Netflix will see 10 contestants battle for a cash prize while learning how to survive on their own at a brutal wild boot camp. 25-year-old Ray Hume from Rochester, who's described herself as hopeless at adult life, got tricked into entering. And we've been told to enjoy the sunshine while we can because thunderstorms could be on the way for Kent. A yellow weather warning will come into force from 10 tomorrow morning and last until the end of the day. The Met Office says torrential rain and lightning could cause flooding, power cuts and travel disruption. Well, don't forget, throughout tomorrow, you will, of course, be able to follow our live travel blog at Kent Online. You can also get regular travel updates by tuning into our sister radio station, KMFM. Kent Online Sports. Cricket first, and I'm afraid it was another defeat for Kent in the T20 Blast last night. They were beaten by Gloucestershire by just five runs at Canterbury. The Spitfires have only won two of their 11 games in the competition so far and are bottom of the South Group table. Don't forget, they are the defending champions and are next in action against Sussex at home on Friday. On to football now, and the Gillingham players return to training today. After being relegated on the last day of the season, they'll be getting ready for life in League Two with the fixtures released tomorrow. Dom Jeffries, Sean Williams and Will Wright have been added to Neil Harris's squad so far. A number of sports stars in Kent are getting funding as they bid to be selected for this summer's Commonwealth Games. The County Council's announced it'll be giving cash to 13 sportsmen and women to help with their training. Among them is racewalker Tom Bosworth from Sevenoaks, gymnasts James Hall and Courtney Tullock and table tennis players Will Bailey and Ross Wilson. And finally, Kent's Dina Asher-Smith is among 72 athletes selected to represent Team England at the Games. The 26-year-old is the fastest British woman in history and will compete in the 100 metres and the 4x100 relay in Birmingham. Adam Jamili from Dartford has also been chosen. He's going to compete in the 200 metres and the men's sprint relay, while Canterbury's Matthew Stonia will compete in the 1500 metres. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.